As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Mexico is an economy that should be rich. It has a large and relatively skilled population. It has a direct land border with the world's top economy and biggest consumer market. It has easy access to the world's oceans for global trade. It's in a peaceful part of the world and has an abundance of natural resources. That's just to start with. The global trade tensions between the USA and China presented a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to Mexico. As cheap consumer goods from China were becoming artificially more expensive due to tariffs and trade restrictions, Mexico was perfectly positioned to take their place as the centre of low-cost manufacturing. Then came the global pandemic, which demonstrated the vulnerabilities that come with overly complex supply chains involving dozens of countries all across the world. Mexico was again uniquely positioned to take advantage of this by being a geographically, economically and politically close country that could be a one-stop shop for manufactured goods where price was the most important factor. Manufacturing in Mexico has grown significantly, but the economic prosperity that should have come with it hasn't. And understanding why can teach economists a lot about how to manage their own economies to take advantage of the opportunities they are presented. So, why has Mexico's growth stalled while its industrial opportunities have become far more lucrative? Are there economic drawbacks to being so close to the world's largest economy? And if there are, can Mexico do anything to get around these issues? After we've done all of that, we can put Mexico on the Economics Explained National Leaderboard. Even with all of the recent problems China has been facing in relation to its low-cost manufacturing exports, trade tension has just been one factor in addition to extended lockdowns, intellectual property concerns, higher wage demands from workers, and a less business-friendly government, it's still, for now at least, much more competitive on a global scale than Mexico is. China is still by far the largest manufacturing nation in the world. Even with the setbacks caused by the global pandemic, trade wars and extended lockdowns, its industrial output has grown significantly in the last few years, and it's still growing. In 2021 alone, its manufactured output grew by over 20% to 4.85 trillion US dollars, which makes it just less than twice as productive as the USA, which is the runner-up, and 20 times as productive as Mexico. To be fair, that did follow three years of stagnation, where output remained mostly constant through lockdowns, and Chinese manufacturing data is notoriously unreliable. But even with the most conservative estimates, there is no country on earth that's anywhere close to replacing China as an industrial centre, which is normally what people are talking about when they say something is going to be the next China. To give a sense of scale to this issue, that 4.85 trillion US dollar figure is a net output figure that is calculated by adding up all of the output that comes off the end of production lines and subtracting the resources that are fed into the beginning of them. That means that the Chinese economy adds that much value, roughly 5% of total global output, to resources in its factories every year. Mexico, by contrast, produces 230 billion US dollars worth of manufactured goods every year, which means even if the country produced nothing for itself or any other country in the world and only made stuff exported exclusively to the USA, it still wouldn't make enough to replace half of the imports coming from China, which are worth 580 billion dollars. Economies with well-functioning markets will naturally seek out the most competitive goods and services. The US-China trade war, the rising cost of Chinese labour and the far more simple logistics of getting something from over the border rather than getting it over the world's largest ocean has closed the gap, but it still hasn't eliminated it. 
It's always important to address biases when looking at issues like this. People are always much better at finding evidence that affirms something they want to be true than finding evidence that goes against what they want to hear. Despite the understandable animosity we have towards Chinese government leadership and the economic influence they wield over a lot of countries, that's not going to change just because we want it to. In the context of this particular macroeconomic discussion with China and Mexico fighting over the lucrative US market, these social and political issues probably also distract from the fact that Mexico is not perfect either. While Mexico boasts several strong economic characteristics, including abundant natural resources, a young and productive workforce, and favourable geographic location, it still faces criticisms and challenges that hinder its full economic potential. One of the key issues is crime, which remains a significant concern and affects both the domestic population and the country's international reputation. I think we can be honest and say that it's unfortunately one of the first things that we think of when we think of Mexico, and at that point, whether that's deserved or not really isn't important. Today more than ever, international reputations matter. Mexico's association with cartels and illicit activities overshadow its status as a major export market and destination for foreign investment. It's important to note that this video focuses solely on Mexico's legitimate industries. The illicit industries probably deserve separate attention. Nevertheless, the negative perceptions and bad press surrounding Mexico have had significant economic repercussions. International investors often overlook Mexico as a major developing economy due to concerns about safety and security. Another problem is simply opportunity. Despite its position as the 15th largest economy in the world, Mexico struggles with wealth distribution, with the nation's wealth thinly spread over its large population with intense concentrations at the very top. While wealth inequality is not as severe as in some countries, it remains a significant concern. Regional areas, particularly those located beyond border regions with the USA and Mexico City, experience greater poverty and limited access to economic benefits compared to major cities. Wealth inequality by itself does cause social issues, but it doesn't always hurt the economy. One of the main reasons that people think Mexico could be the next China is because it offers low-cost manufacturing. Wealth inequality has also contributed to the issue of being underbanked in Mexico. Many people lack access to traditional financial services such as bank accounts, internet banking, home loans and credit cards. This lack of financial inclusion creates various problems including limited financial stability, difficulty in conducting business and restricted opportunities for social mobility. While having a well-regulated financial system brings advantages such as secure money storage, investments and ease of conducting business, Mexico's underbanked situation hampers the realisation of these benefits. The lack of opportunities, coupled with issues like crime and low-income prospects for regular workers, has led to a significant exodus of educated individuals from Mexico. The country's largest export is its own people, with over 13 million Mexican citizens living abroad, notably in the United States. While remittances from these individuals benefit the local economy, a negative impact arises when skilled workers leave the country permanently. A flow of foreign income from abroad will never be a long-term replacement for highly skilled workers domestically that can build out value-adding industries. Mexico's inequality, characterised by extreme disparities between the super-rich and the poor, exacerbates these issues as people are more inclined to seek out a better life in the North. But, as many will point out, that might be starting to change as opportunities start to move down South. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. 
We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Companies such as GM, Ford, Toyota, and Tesla have taken advantage of Mexico's labor force so close to home by making major investments into the country. This foreign investment, like all foreign investment, can be placed into two categories, foreign direct investment and foreign portfolio investment. Foreign direct investment refers to specific investments made within a country where the investor maintains a significant control over the asset and stands to benefit more than just financial returns. For example, if a wealthy US family buys a holiday home in New Zealand, that is considered foreign direct investment. Similarly, when a car company like Ford establishes a factory in Mexico, it also falls under foreign direct investments. This type of investment is generally seen as beneficial for the economy as it stimulates local markets and creates jobs, but it has problems. Foreign direct investment, by its very nature, gives a lot of control to foreign entities, and it also means that most of the economic planning around these investments is focused on extracting value to be returned to the investor's home country. When a US company opens a factory in Mexico, it isn't doing it to help the Mexican economy or its people, it's doing it to get access to a manufacturing centre that's cheaper than a domestic operation. Any boost to the local economy is a side effect, and one that's probably not even welcomed by the business making these investments that don't want the labour force to get too prosperous and start asking for too much money. What's more is that any major developments made by these investments will return value primarily back to the investor's country. If a US-owned R&D centre set up in Mexico and discovered some amazing new battery technology, that technology would belong to the US company. So the alternative is foreign portfolio investment. Foreign portfolio investment involves investing in foreign markets through financial instruments facilitated by local financial institutions. For instance, an Australian investor could buy US stocks through an Australian broker without physically travelling to the US, or a US citizen could buy shares in a Mexican startup studying battery technology. If that startup did end up discovering amazing new battery technologies, the US investor would get a nice return, but the technology would still belong to a Mexican company. That's why this type of investment is normally seen as the best option for the country receiving it. But for all the reasons that we've already explored, and the ones that we'll cover soon, it's just not a very popular option in Mexico. Even still, the foreign direct investment in Mexico has still brought benefits through job opportunities, training and development of local industries. When Tesla builds its new factory in Mexico, it will be employing thousands of Mexican workers just to build the thing, before employing thousands more to run it once it's operational. But more than just that, this foreign direct investment, especially by large, well-known multinational corporations, is doing something less tangible but arguably more important. Every time a big new investment is made into the Mexican economy, it's followed by headlines which will slowly but surely shift public opinion about the country's economic potential. As a result, Mexico is gaining a reputation as a reliable supplier of quality manufactured goods rather than just a country filled with crime and cheap labour. The other way a country can build its own industries is through debt, which also plays a unique and crucial role in Mexico's economic dynamics. The nation has a remarkably low household debt-to-GDP ratio, and while that sounds like a good thing, it's mainly due to the underbanked population. This underbanking issue makes it challenging to provide loans to individuals who predominantly earn cash income and likely do not have formal financial records. This low debt availability also restricts Mexico's growth potential. Compared to other developing countries like China, India, the Philippines or Japan in the past, 
Mexico's growth rate has been slower, primarily due to this debt-related constraint. Beyond that, one of Mexico's biggest weaknesses is ironically that it so heavily depends on its economic relationship with the United States. While economists and commentators are getting excited about Mexico's potential to fuel demand for consumer goods coming from the USA, others are worried about what it could do for the economy long term. It's that strange relationship with the USA that impacts its economy in other areas as well. Ironically, its closeness to the world's largest market is as much a burden for Mexico as it is a blessing. The United States is obviously Mexico's primary export partner, but it's the scale of this dependence that is such a concern. The USA accounts for over 80% of its exports. In contrast, Canada represents less than 3% of Mexico's trading. Given its dependency, it's fair to say that Mexican industries need the United States, but the US does not need them. This economic relationship has been beneficial for both countries so far, but the country's other issues have turned it into somewhat of a political football for policymakers in the USA. Changes in US attitudes and who's in charge of the country could quickly lead to renegotiations of trade deals, such as the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, which has already been replaced by the USMCA, the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement. These two deals are effectively the same for now, but replacing the old agreement with the new one was very important for a certain political leader who famously called it the worst trade deal in the history of trade deals. China can survive a politically motivated trade war with the USA, but Mexico cannot. Apprehension among companies to invest in new factories or engage in research and development due to future trade uncertainties has negatively affected Mexico's economic growth. Mexico's closeness to the US is also hurting portfolio investment, the more favourable type of foreign investment that keeps control of assets and resources in the country. The reason is that foreign investors would just prefer to put their money into the USA, a much more stable, larger and typically more prosperous market. That isn't a problem unique to Mexico, Canada struggles with the same thing, but it's worth mentioning especially since the average Mexican is much less wealthy than the average Canadian and is therefore less able to make investments into their domestic market themselves. So there are a lot of challenges holding Mexico back. However, recent trends show potential for positive change. Access to technology has been identified as a driving force behind improved access to financial services in Mexico. Digital banking, mobile payments and fintech innovations are gradually making inroads and providing financial solutions to the underbanked population. Efforts to combat crime and corruption are ongoing, although progress is gradual. The Mexican government's commitment to economic reforms, infrastructure development and diversification of industries beyond manufacturing also show promise for a more sustainable and inclusive economy. Mexico's economy possesses many strengths, including its manufacturing industry. However, challenges such as crime, wealth inequality, underbanking, brain drain, debt constraints and over-reliance on the United States present obstacles to its full economic potential. Efforts to address these issues combined with technological advancements and government initiatives offer hope for a more prosperous and equitable future for Mexico. But Mexico is not going to be the next China, and it's got a long way to go before it can even slightly reduce the United States' dependence on China. But even if it doesn't get there, if it keeps heading in that direction, it will hopefully reduce its dependence on the United States. Okay, now it's time to put Mexico on the Economics Explained National Leaderboard. Starting as always with size. Thanks to the industries it does have, Mexico has a GDP of 1.3 trillion US dollars, which makes it the 15th largest economy in the world, just behind Spain and just ahead of Indonesia. It gets an 8 out of 10. That GDP, while impressive, is spread out over a population of 126.7 million people, which means its GDP per capita is only $10,046, slightly behind the global average of $12,235. 
The opportunities are there, and this figure is improving, albeit slowly, but for now, Mexico gets a 5 out of 10. Stability and confidence is better than most people expect. The country certainly has its problems with crime and corruption, there's no getting around that, but it has demonstrated itself to be a reliable place to do business and take advantage of the resources it offers. Long term, it's going to be important for Mexico to clear up these other issues, but for now, it's doing a good enough job of convincing US-based companies that it's a safe enough place to set up shop. Mexico gets a 6 out of 10. Growth hasn't been as strong as it should be. In the last decade, the economy has grown by approximately 20%, which is still moving in the right direction, but it's far below the rate of its much larger and more established neighbour to its north. Mexico's growth should be highly correlated with the growth of the USA, but it hasn't been for all the reasons we've already explored in this video, so for now, Mexico gets a 4 out of 10. Finally, industry. Obviously, ignoring the industry that the country might be most famous for, Mexico has shown that it's ready to be a smaller but viable alternative to the de facto workshop of the world for the past half century. It's not developing its own industries or pushing new technologies just yet, but for now, it gets a 7 out of 10. Altogether, that gives Mexico an average score of 6 out of 10, a very respectable result that puts it up here on the leaderboard. The top spot of the leaderboard is held by the USA, an economy that we touched on a lot in this video, so if you're curious to see if it really deserves that top spot, click the video on screen now. Thanks for watching, mate. Bye. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.